the kid game is strong here at this church, for sure. Uh, as they leave, uh, congratulations are in order to Tony and Ellen, who got, had a wedding, beautiful wedding yesterday, wedding ceremony. Congrats, you two. And uh, also my wife, who we are celebrating 24 years tomorrow. So that's really for Amy. All right, happy uh, Easter. Welcome again, whether you want to be here, like you have to be here, you don't know why you're here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, and my hope is, is this time together that uh, really I just on my heart just to make it, make it easy for you. I just felt like make, make this story easy. So over the next like hour and a half while I talk, it's going to be, <laughs> should be fun. But it's good news, and the, and the Easter story is good news, and the resurrection is good news, and sometimes we make it maybe too, too weighty and too heavy and doesn't feel like good news. And so um, so I'm going to open up with a story about a walrus. And uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard about this guy. Is it Wally the walrus? And he is a wandering uh, Arctic walrus that likes to crawl into people's boats. And so he goes in these harbors, and there's been a couple of these around the, around the world. They go in these harbors, and, he, and they climb on. And a conservationist group said, you know, he comes into a, a harbor, and he's usually going to sink about two boats in every harbor he visits. He just kind of gets involved, this big giant dude, he climbs in, and there he is, you know, he's hanging out. This is real. This is real stuff. And I think it looks cool, but that's also not my boat. And so it's problematic for, for people up into your boat. And so they've been trying to figure out what do we do with, with this walrus. Uh, we, can't, we can't control him, and he can't control himself from climbing on, onto all these boats. And so instead of you know, capturing him or, or euthanizing him, which has uh, been done in other sort of parts of the world, this group here, they figured out a way to, to accommodate the walrus, and they built this for him, a floating sofa. <laughs> a floating sofa. So instead of using the boats, they built him, they made a way for him. And that's the Easter story. Thanks for coming. But this is, it's so funny, because this really is sort of the problem of, of humanity, like if, that if there is a God, and he is good, and he requires behavior out of us, things that we should do or shouldn't do, and we maybe, maybe we know that, and then, but maybe we don't, but either way, sometimes we just cannot help ourselves. We cannot help ourselves from climbing into the boats. Uh, even if we were to know, like, yeah, I shouldn't be doing that, we just can't stop ourselves. And so God, in his goodness and his grace, instead of punishing us, Instead of, you know, euthanizing us or imprisoning us, he came to, to save us, provide a way uh, to save the world, us, from living under the pressures of being perfect, right? Providing a solution, providing a floating sofa. Jesus didn't come to, to put Wally the walrus in prison or to put him down or to yell at him for getting every, everybody else's boats, right? That would not be good news. That would be not be good news. He came to provide a way. For God... I love that verse that uh, Violet read. This is the following verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the pathway that God has created through the, the person of, of Jesus. He did not come to condemn the world. And I mean, think about this week. And a side note, like toward many angry Christians everywhere, you get a lot of press. Like if God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, I doubt he sent you. I doubt he sent you. So some of us have sort of caught that condemnation from someone else. That's just not the story. That's not the story. So we pick it up. Jesus here has, uh, this is after the, after his burial, uh, the events of Good Friday, and it's kind of downtime on Saturday, and, and where we pick up, Jesus is, is gone. He had been murdered to those who, that's what people saw, right? That's what the optics were. That's what the disciples noticed, and, and his followers, other followers, and his haters, everyone's like, he's gone. He's gone. 
And so for the disciples in particular who loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them, and they had deep relationships, they spent a lot of time together, in their mindset, at this part of the story, they had lost Jesus. They lost Jesus. They had left the season of clarity into now what feels like a period of confusion. They were in a direction when Jesus called them and said, hey, follow me, and they were so clear, and they were so excited, and that felt so right. And then, okay, oh, he just got arrested. That's not good. Oh, he's getting executed. And they had been so sure and so committed. And now what? And now what? Like when the thing you've built your life around doesn't seem to work out. Has anyone ever been there? And you're left feeling like, oh, I guess my life isn't working out. And this is the tension and the suspension that his followers are feeling in this moment. They've lost Jesus. I think there's people in here probably who felt like, I think I've kind of lost Jesus too. There was a clarity at one point, there was a closeness at one point, there was a relationship at one point, and now you're kind of looking around like, I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not even sure what that was about. Maybe that wasn't even real. Maybe that was made up in my mind. And so Jesus is gone. When we read through John 20, this tremendous story, it talks about Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' women followers, someone who loved Jesus. She's up early, she goes to the, to the tomb and she sees the stone is rolled away, or they would have kind of enclosed him in this sort of underground tomb. And she sees the stone has been rolled away. And she's there by herself, and she runs to tell the disciples, because they're, they're, they're kind of hiding out. And, and she tells the disciples, and two of them get up and they go check it out. John and Peter, they run, they run to this tomb to see for themselves. And surely the, the tomb is empty. And so they go back to the house where they're all staying. They go back to the house where they're all staying, and it says, on the evening of that first day of the week... So this is, you know, this is, this is Easter morning. They, the tomb's empty, but they don't know where he is. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So they're huddled up together in fear, as the text said, right? So there's confusion, there's doubt. There's just straight up fear. The Jewish leaders executed Jesus what would stop them from maybe executing his closest followers? And so they're hiding out, and they don't know what the next step is. There's no, there's no clear path. They devoted their life to one thing, and it seems like it's all over now. That, that situation has changed. And so through the fear and confusion and the depression, Jesus walks into the room. And I love the, the sort of visual of this, that he physically walks into the room, but he's walking into the room of doubt. He's walking into the room of fear. He's walking into the, into, the, into the room of depression. He's walking into the room of confusion. And those feelings, it says, as Jesus says, peace be with you, and they're overjoyed. Those feelings give way to peace in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus. That does not mean those feelings are no longer in the room. This did not solve everything. But they become a smaller and smaller part of the room. And we encounter Jesus. We're given perspective we cannot have on our own. We're offered a peace that surpasses understanding. When we invite Jesus into the rooms of our lives that are kind of messy, and sometimes they're full of fear, and sometimes they're full of confusion and doubt, Jesus walks into those rooms, he can offer peace. He offers a peace that surpasses understanding. And so they, they're overjoyed. They're overjoyed. And it goes on. It says this, that Thomas, well, now Thomas, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So there's one guy, he's close to the whole group. I don't know where he was during this time. You know, maybe he went out for food, but he wasn't with them. 
The other ones have this amazing encounter. We have seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. And he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put the finger, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. He's adamant. I will not believe. No, no, no. They're like, no, no. We saw him. The tomb's empty. He showed up. You can't believe. He's like, I will not believe. He's decided I will not believe. And it says a week later, his disciples are in this house again. And Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And I love the timeline of this, that there's a week goes by, and what that would have felt like for Thomas. Because all the other ones have now achieved some ability to get past the situation. They've had some kind of peace come upon them. Jesus wasn't there with them the whole time, obviously, because this week goes by, and like, where's Jesus? But they've had this encounter, and this other guy's like, I, did, I didn't have the encounter. I, I don't get it. I didn't meet Jesus. I, I, and in fact, I don't believe maybe that you did either, but I'm just going to be like, good for you. Good for you. And Thomas is on the outside of this, of this situation, of this faith, a little bit like the church. Like, there's somebody who just feels on the outside for a week, for a week. And they're presumably, like, living together. Everyone else is having these conversations about Jesus. What could it mean? What could be next? Where could he be? What's our calling now? And there's this guy, Thomas, like, I, yeah, for the whole week, like, I don't know. Until I see it, I, I really can't. I really can't believe it. And sometimes some of us have encountered God in, in like a room full of people. And like, oh my gosh, and it's, it's amazing. And like everyone's like, yeah, we, we just had this great time with God. And we understand the church. And we encounter the spirit. And God was moving. He uses all this kind of language. And some of us probably in this room are like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I get that. I don't know if I get that. And it can, feel, it can be challenging to be on that outside. This whole week goes by. Everyone else has this encounter. Tom is like, oh, cool, good for you guys. And he said, I can't go along with it. I cannot just go along with it. But Jesus, what's so compelling about this God, that God with us, God for the world, with the world, into the world, who would dwell among us, in the big grand scheme of things, all of humanity, he's also for you. He's also for showing up just for you. And Jesus is for those who've missed him. I don't know why Thomas wasn't there. He doesn't have to explain it. But Jesus is there for those who've missed him. Jesus is there for those that are skeptical. He's there for those that are skeptical. And he has this encounter with Thomas, and Thomas's life's changed. His life has changed. But it, it was a lot of work on Jesus' part, not much on Thomas' part. And so you and I, you, we can't just will ourselves into believing. That's, that's just not going to happen. But we can, we can open up the door and say, yeah, you know what, God? You know, if you're out there, love, love to see you sometime. And we kind of open up our heart that way, and we invite him into those spaces. And we don't get the physical Jesus. I mean, I don't know anyone who has showing up, but I believe we can still encounter him. We can still encounter Jesus. He walks in the room of our lives all the time. He wants to be in that room. And he'll sit there with you in your anxiety, in your pain, in your suffering, and your fear. And he loves us, and he's with us. Because there is a God who loves you, I believe, and he's willing to come into all your stuff. And it's a God who's willing to do the work for us. The work of the cross is the heavy lifting. 
The Easter story, it's, it's, I just, let me just tell it to you. Jesus died on the cross and, and rose again, and it's for your sins so you can have eternal life with, with the Father. That's, that's it. He did the work. Let me have the worship team uh, come up. I was out at Harmon Cannon the other day. It's, Harmon's open again, by the way. Fantastic. For those of you who are Harmon people, I, I missed it. But I'm hiking, uh, just walking through Harmon the Canyon up here, and, and it's amazing. There's water up there now, and the creeks have all water, and uh, like little streams of water as the path dips down, and I'm coming up to one, and it's, they're big enough where you can't jump over them, so there's rocks placed in them to step on the rocks and hop through, and, and I'm going through, through the trail, and I, I see this guy sort of coming at me, and he's a younger dad, and he, uh, he has a baby on his on his front, front-facing baby on his, himself, you know, like uh, Alan. You know Alan? <laughs> Probably the only church in town. <laughs> but he has this baby coming, and, and he gets to the, and he gets to the, uh, the creek, this, this crossing. And he stops, and he's looking at the stones, and, and he just starts talking to the baby, and, which, which is great. You should talk to the baby. And he's like, all right, all right, you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we, can we do it? We can do it. He says, I don't know, if he, maybe he's talking to himself, but I sound like he was talking to the baby. And, and he starts going, and he's talking, okay, we're going to do it. We can do it. One step, we got it. We're doing good. And he gets to the other side with the baby, and he's like, good job, buddy. And this is like a baby baby. The baby didn't know if it did a good job or not. I whispered to the baby as it went by, you didn't do anything, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love that the work that happened there I just can't help but think sometimes we imagine the, the work of Jesus. You know, we like to imagine ourselves at, you know, entering into heaven and meet Jesus. There's some notion of us saying, Jesus is there and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Like we did it. We did enough. Oh, good. You did enough. You can get in. You worked enough. You were good enough. You understood enough. You participated enough. But the more I understand grace it's more like Jesus will come to the gates of heaven. He's like, good job, buddy. Like, you didn't really do anything, but we're here together. You're, we're here together. And so if you're on the outside of this whole thing, someone's going to feel like it's stacked against you because, oh, my gosh, I'm just not ready to fix everything in my life before I can enter into Jesus' presence. That's not how it works. He's like, all right, you want to be with me? Cool. I'll put you on. We're going to cross the stream together. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis says this. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And some of us need that today, whether you're, whether you're part of the church or not. Some of us need that today who've been wa- walking with Jesus your whole life. You know, I need to start changing some things. Some of you need a change in, 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 in your relationships and your job. It's your health. Some things that could start today. Ultimately, our spirituality, our encounter. Maybe you've missed God all these years. You're like, I don't know. I'm kind of been interested in God, but I missed it. I wasn't there when he showed up, so I'm kind of been on the outside. Maybe, maybe today is the time to enter in. I'm going to pray for you as we close out in song and uh, just give an invitation. You know, if you don't know Jesus, I don't presume everybody does. There's no pressure. No one's going to be looking around. You don't have to do anything. Uh, but I just want to pray with you as we close your eyes and just give an invitation. If you're, if you, if you're feeling that in this moment, like something God's stuck on your heart, just, you just raise your hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this uh, this morning, Lord, this moment, your presence, Lord, I thank you that you are in the room and that you are amidst us, among us, with our faith, Lord, with our doubt, uh, with our fear and our pain, our joy and our suffering. So may your presence be felt, Lord, uh, and draw close to those hearts that feel distant from you. 
And Lord, we invite your spirit in as we, as we close. Lord, we thank you for this community and this church um, and this time. In your name, amen.